Welcome back, everybody, to your creativity. It's Dylan, and on a loner again. Everybody's too busy to hang out with me, but um, Terry's in Atlanta. Steve is moving, and so I, I guess I'm the only one with a free afternoon today. But we're going to fill it with a lot, a lot of fun. Uh, somebody that um, I became aware of of their TED Talk and their connection to his. Ah, their connection to Kevin Smith. It is Sav Rogers, a filmmaker. How are you? I I am good, man. Uh, but my pronouns are he him, so the, yeah. that is that those are the pronouns. Uh, yeah, so I, no worries. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I was trying to. Say. I I know those were your pronouns, uh, and we'll get into that a little bit because sure because uh, of what you do and uh, who you are. But uh, let's talk about through the Kevin Smith. Um, what what was your introduction? through kevin smith uh, probably ties into your ted talk as well let's see uh my i'm super close with my uncle jake um you know he is uh he was like you know almost like my dad growing up uh, before my my stepdad came into the picture and he really liked kevin smith movies and so i don't even know what the first kevin smith movie i watched was but you know because he had shown me clerks i think at like a young age probably too young to really understand <laughs> anything happening um you know jay and silent bob reboot was always quoted in our or not reboot geez uh, strike back was always quoted in our house um you know morris day in the time all that stuff uh but chasing amy was the movie that i really connected with um i saw it at age 12 that i remember seeing it for the first time um and it just totally revolutionized my life. I, you know, I was a, I was a soft-hearted romantic kid. Um, and so it really appealed to me on that level. I, I also watched things like Moulin Rouge on repeat. Um, so it was, it was no surprise that I think this movie really connected with me, but it also really helped me feel better about, you know, uh, sexuality and gender things that, you know, it was just comforting to see queer characters presented in a positive light. And it was just like this big source of comfort when there was very little else at, at that period in my life. Yeah. At that time, that was kind of like the starting point of films exploring sexuality more. And so I thought that was, you know, good timing for him uh, with that. Um, with me, my first introduction to Kevin was, uh, I lived next door to some hippies in an apartment complex and they were watching Clerks. So I, I watched it with them. And then when the DVD came out, all the, extra features and that really got me into film and I collected DVDs and stuff for years and everything and one of my biggest memories of chasing Amy was me and my friend went and saw the dollar theater and a lady brought their kid in there and I can't remember exact point but they got up and left at a certain point <laughs> maybe the fisting joke that might have been a good time to leave I don't know yeah it could be <laughs> Now, um, your your TED talk talks about your experiences with chasing Amy and mm. more into you know how those are feelings of you know your sexuality and inclusivity. Tell tell us a little bit more about that without repeating the TED talk. Sure. Uh, so you want me to talk about giving the TED talk? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, the TED talk was like a once in a lifetime, super rad experience that. <laughs> kind of blows my mind that I get to participate in it all. Uh, I basically saw the the ad for the TED residency on Facebook one day. And I was pretty, you know, I was doing an artist residency in Kansas City. And I was like, wow, TED has a residency. That's cool. And I blew past it and kept procrastinating on Facebook from writing effectively. And then I saw it again. And I was like, wow, uh, maybe I should apply. You know, the worst they can say is no. 
And so I gave a very vague pitch of what I would talk about. And lo and behold, months later, they called me back as a finalist. And I was like, wow, this is interesting. I, I guess, you know, my pitch wasn't terrible. And they were like, you know, it's a little vague, but we really like you. Um, so what if you had to give a TED Talk tomorrow, what would it be about? And effectively, I just told them about this documentary idea I had for a, a movie um, about chasing Amy and its relationship to the LGBTQ community and told them what it did for me as a kid, which it literally saved my life when I was, you know, a kid, you know, struggling to, to come of age and, um, and feel good about sexuality and, and things like that. And it was just this uniquely positive experience for seeing LGBTQ people on screen that I had never really had before. You know, I was going through a tough time in school and, um, you know, that movie made all the difference for, for me and um, helping me come out and helping me, you know, stay alive at a very um, pivotal part of, you know, my young uh, year, my early, my childhood, you know, my teenage years. And it was just, uh, it was really cool to be able to get up there and, and work with people who were really great public speakers and to learn how to tell my story really effectively and how to, you know, connect with an audience and be able to articulate these things that I'd felt my whole life, but, and knew, you know, and kept inside my whole life, but I hadn't really been able to tell anybody about. So um, it was the privilege of a lifetime to get to give a TED talk. And, you know, then it was cool to connect with Kevin Smith as a result of it. I mean, it couldn't have gone better. <laughs> And from what I understand, once the TED Talk went live, Kevin got in contact with you quite quickly. Yeah, uh, the TED Talk had been online for one hour, <laughs> and uh, so many people had tweeted it at Kevin that he responded. And you know, he was like, "Hey, I know some guys. If you uh, are interested in uh, having us in your documentary." And it was really funny because the next day I was like, I like I wanted to wait a hot second before like you know, reaching out to him. I was like, okay, I need to get my composure because this is a lot. And I was like, okay, I've got his attention. Now what do I do with it? <laughs> because, you know, I, I didn't have two dimes to rub together. I didn't have much of a budget, didn't have much of anything. And I was like, okay, well, what do I do? And so I called his uh, contact and at the time he was repped by WME and I just kind of called their office and I was like, hi, um, Kevin Smith said he would be in my documentary. He tweeted about it. It's the last tweet on his profile. <laughs> if you, And <laughs> so I gave it, I left my name. <laughs> And uh, I guess his team had gotten word that I had called and he like DM'd me on Twitter and was like, hey, here's my number, text me. And I was like, okay. Um, and I texted him and then he called me and we had a 20 minute phone conversation that was just super validating and sweet where he was just like excited about the documentary and was asking me questions. And we were talking about doing his interview and he was like, he came up with this joint, I, this interview idea to do a joint interview with Joey. And he's like, yeah, we'll do the joint interview and then she'll leave and then, you know, we'll stay and do the interview. And I was just like, okay, this dude is like really in. Yeah. And it was, it was just really cool to get to talk to somebody that I had wanted to talk to movies about my whole life, basically. And to, to have it be a reality and for him to be so generous and kind uh, was, the best experience you know i couldn't have asked for anything more and when you recorded those interviews did you go out to california because you're you're in kansas right i am in kansas currently but okay. at the time i was living in los angeles so um i was there for uh, a fellowship at outfest actually where i got to meet some really incredible uh lifelong friends now and I mean, I guess I can't say they're lifelong friends because it's only been a few years since I met them, but I feel like I'll be friends with them my whole life now. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I was I was out there for that, and uh, it was just really convenient to be in the same city as Kevin for that because, 
you know, I had already had a, but I already had crew out there, I already had a team out there uh, to work with for the doc. And so it was just nice to be able to, you know, drive 20 minutes and then, you know, interview Kevin. Awesome. Yeah. I, I like look forward to seeing him every year when he comes out to wise guys and Sundance this year, that's not happening. But um, before we started, we were talking about last year when he brought the road show uh, here, but not to wise guys to the stateroom. And I guess at some point we were a few feet away and <laughs> <laughs> I never made the connection, you know, cause uh, you work with Ryan on a film now, or you're a producer on um, the, the clerk's biopic thing. Yes. Yes. I, so through the whole chasing, chasing Amy journey, I got to know a bunch of people in Kevin Smith world basically. <laughs> and one of the people who reached out uh, from that whole space was um, Ryan James. And we actually, like he followed me on Instagram. I followed him back and we both sent a message to each other at the same time being like, <laughs> Oh my God, like, it's so cool to like meet you, you know, through the internet. And then actually the day before I moved out of Los Angeles, we met in person, hit it off immediately, hanging out at LA Comic Con. The next day I saw him, because um, that was the day that Kevin got his handprint ceremony at the Chinese Theater uh, in Los Angeles. And so Ryan was there uh, like as a guest of Marilyn Gigliotti, uh, who was in Clerks. And I was there uh, filming and working for Chasing Chasing Amy. And so it was cool to be like in the press line and stuff like that and be filming. It was really cool. I got to like bring out a couple guys with cameras and it was just really rad. Um, and so I got to connect with him a little more there. And then we were we both went to the Jay and Silent Bob reboot premiere that night. And I was like, cool, I've never been to a Hollywood premiere before. And then the next day I left Los Angeles. <laughs> so <laughs> we became friends like very quickly, like very close, very quickly. We hung out at Sundance last year together. And then at some point this year, you know, they were talking to me about shooting clerks. And I was just like, hey, do you guys need help? Like, you know, like we're already making films. Like I'm happy to like come on board and be of service and, you know, help you guys cross the finish line. And so that's kind of how it all went. Um, and so helping Ryan and uh, Chris Downey finish shooting clerks. Um, but, you know, that's their baby. It's their movie. I'm just coming on to help. And uh, but Ryan is like one of my closest friends now. It's 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 a beautiful thing. Kevin Smith world. <laughs> It is, and the fans are just amazing and down to earth. And then, you know, over the years, I've been getting to know the people that are a little bit closer, and they're just, they're just awesome. Right. Well, and and so last year, Ryan, we convinced him to come out to Sundance <laughs> at, at like the very last minute, and so he drove from LA with uh with one of our friends from from Legion M, and they were working all at Legion M stuff together. And uh, we were all just like hanging out and they were like, you know, we're going to go to this. You should, you know, go too. And so kind of at the last minute before going to Sundance, we all decided, you know, okay, I'll go with them to the Jay and Silent Bob reboot roadshow thing. And I was like, oh, it'll just be nice to say hi to Kevin. And, and then it ended up me watching the movie for the 50th time. I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> but I remember Ryan went to go say hi to somebody and then you just made me put the the dots together right before we started this podcast that it was you. So it really is a small world. <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, uh, back up to the premiere and the handprints. Did you know Ben was going to be there? I I think I knew at the time, but like nothing prepared me for the moment that yeah. I saw him. 
And like anybody who's seen my TED talk, or if you know, you go watch it after this, I watched Chasing Amy for the first time because I loved Ben Affleck. I saw him in Daredevil and I had like the biggest crush on Ben Affleck. Um, and I, when I saw him for the first time, like my camera operator like panned around and got my face while I was trying to film him and it was bright red. He looked really good. Like he, you know, that dude's, he's a hunky movie star dude. And I had never seen him that close before, like been in the same area as him, let alone been like 20 feet away from him. Um, so it was like, I try to like play cool, you know, but like I definitely had a little bit of a fanboy moment. <laughs> when I kept, and I, I couldn't talk. I be, I became Silent Bob. It was at the opening of the <laughs> comic book store in mm-hmm. LA. Um, mm-hmm. May it rest in peace. But mm-hmm. I, we got up there to the line. I, I couldn't talk. My wife had to say, can he get a picture with you? But, to Ben or Kevin? Uh, to Kevin. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> But um, Brian was there, and Brian was awesome. Have you met Brian? I don't think I've met Brian. Um, I, 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 you're gonna kill me. I don't. I sometimes I get confused on who all the comic book men are, just because like I was always a chasing Amy diehard, but oh. I was never like a, I know everything about Kevin Smith diehard. But I think uh, Michael I met Michael Zapsik, um, and then uh, some other guys at the at the secret stash when I was filming there. Uh, I got to meet, but I don't think there were any of the guys from the show. Oh, this is O'Halloran, Brian O'Halloran. Oh, Brian O'Halloran. Yeah, okay, I know Brian O'Halloran. Uh, yeah, he's a super nice guy. Sweet guy. He asked us where we, you know, where'd you come in from when we said Utah, and he's like, "Did you drive just to come here?" I'm like, "No, we had a whole trip planned. This just kind of fell on one day." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it was pretty awesome. Um, He's a super sweet guy. I I met the first time I met him was at that LA Comic Con the same day that I met Ryan, and uh, I mean he's just is, is he's charming as all get out. Now, um, back to reboot. There's a mini Chasing Amy sequel in that. Mm-hmm. Um, what what are your feelings on that? Oh, I loved it. Um, so this was some of the privileges of getting to make this movie. Um, like, uh, it's, it's like almost, it's like a, an embarrassment of riches. Right. So when Kevin and I had that first 20 minute phone call, when I, you know, I was in Las Vegas with my, my now wife and my family, um, the day that the Ted talk came out, um, the day after is when we had that conversation and he was like, you should come over and watch the new movie. Cause there's a chasing Amy thing. That's very, uh, that'll keep, it's very current for your documentary. And I was like, are you, and I'm my, in my mind, I was like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, this is, <laughs> this is ridiculous. I don't know if I could swear on this podcast, by the oh, way, but yeah, I'm yeah, sure I have. Okay, cool. <laughs> so I was like, what the fuck is going on? Um, and, uh, so then like, uh, it was like, basically we were both out of the country, which is far fancier than I've ever been, by the way. Like he was like doing like a real tour and I had a film that was going to play in France and I had never been like to Europe or anything like that. So I was like, okay, um, maybe when we're both back in the United States, I can come over. And so the first day I met Kevin is the first time that I saw uh, reboot. This was after we were both back and, you know, there'd been a little bit of time passing and I was like, can we meet? And he was like, yeah, hell yeah, come over. And then he was like, uh, and then I was like, oh, could I get it on camera? And he's like, yeah, do you want to meet me at the door inside the house? And I was like, inside the house would be cool. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) And then, (laughs) and so then like, you know, he's like, you know, helping me, you know, make my movie just by like playing along and being cooperative. And so then 
my my camera operator brad and i he's you know he's the co-dp for the movie he's the editor he's like my right hand man for everything so right. we stay and we both watch jay and silent bob reboot like unfinished without vfx like i think some maybe some temp stuff like all in there but we see that chasing amy scene for the first time and i'm like crying i'm like crying Meanwhile, Kevin's toy guy is like on the couch, like behind us and like watching the movie, like analytically, like, okay, what, can, what toys can we make from this? And uh, Brad and I are just like sitting on the couch together, like we got to see the movie and uh, it was very emotional. Well, first of all, like, I think it's, uh, I think it's really great how they did it. Um, yeah. I think it's really great to see where Alyssa and Holden end up in terms of their friendship. Um, and, and Kevin says this thing that I think is really nice about where these characters end up, where it's like, you know, the end of Chasing Amy isn't just like a breakup for Alyssa and Holden. It's a new beginning for Alyssa and her partner, who she goes on to have, you know, this child with. Um, and it's also like a, it, the idea that they stayed friends after Chasing Amy. Um, it, it means a lot because I care about these characters as if I knew them. Um, and they're not my characters, they're Kevin's, but you know, when you when you feverishly love a film that much and it keeps you alive in that way, you get this attachment to it um, for better or for worse. And I have that attachment to the characters in Chasing Amy. You know, and, and Chasing Chasing Amy isn't this journalistic endeavor. It's a personal movie. It's a personal documentary exploring my personal journey with it. And so to, to see that and to have that be part of you know, the journey with, to getting to see that movie, you know, before the majority of people and, you know, Kevin asking, like, what do I think of it? Like, that was a really special thing. Um, and I think it was beautifully done. I think it shows um, how Kevin has has grown and changed himself um, and how fatherhood has changed him, you know, from the 20 something guy that made Chasing Amy to the guy who's making stories about fatherhood and, you know, how that changes you. Um, so I, I really, I thought it was a very tender, sweet moment. And I was like, oh my God, like Jay Muse is making me cry in this movie. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I used to not cry at Kevin Smith movies, but Jersey right. Girl and Reboot did it. Um, we don't even talk about Pixar movies. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Shit's Creek. Uh, the last few episodes of Shit's Creek. Love uh, Shit's Creek. I I'm in love with Dan Levy. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's just <laughs> me too <laughs> <laughs> well p part of that scene was that um Alyssa's making a a series on Netflix through her her side of the story and mm -hmm. you know as a filmmaker telling um those those type of lbgt stories um how did that part of the, what did you think about him putting that part in there I think Kevin is, uh, <laughs> I think he is a, a genius in terms of marketing. And so I feel like some part of me is like, Kevin wants a Netflix show for Chasing Amy. Um, <laughs> so let's see if, if, we can, uh, if we can make that happen. Uh, no, but like seriously, I, uh, I thought it was very, I think, I think it was really nice because it kind of addressed a lot of the critiques about yeah. Chasing Amy that a lot of people have where it's like, well, this would be more interesting from Melissa's point of view. To which I say, like, generally, yes, but this specific version of Chasing Amy that you see in the movie, you know, Alyssa's evolved. She's grown. Like, it, it wouldn't be fun to have the, that movie be from her point of view in that exact same way. But to have Chasing Amy told from a queer point of view, I think it's a fantastic idea. Um, and I love the idea that if they were going to do it today, it would be different. And it would be from the point of view of an LGBTQ person 
as opposed to you know the the straight friends surrounded by LGBTQ people because I think that our point points of view are really important and that's you know something that you know is important to me not only as a filmmaker but as the you know executive director of the Trans Film Center. It's it's super valuable to to have our stories be told by us. Yeah, I, I was about to to lead into that. Um, how, how did that get started? What how can people get involved and help out? So the Transgender Film Center is a nonprofit that I founded, um, and we have a great team of of people working on it. Um, you know, from our board of directors who uh, really help uh, fulfill the purpose of creating um, a world for trans-made films to connect with global audiences. And, you know, trans people in particular seem to not get a, a fair shot at telling our own stories most of the time. We get a lot of sensationalized versions of it on screen by people who don't really know what they're talking about, which often result in kind of uh, dire consequences for trans people. Um, in the documentary Disclosure, Jen Richards makes this beautiful um, and harrowing point talking about how, you know, when trans women are seen as men in dresses, which they're not, um, but they're, they're seen as men in dresses because men put on dresses and play them, um, that reinforces this idea culturally that trans women are men in dresses, which is, is not true. And that also leads to... Um, violence towards trans peoples, particularly trans women of color. Um, you know, if you if you're taught, if you're programmed to think, well, trans women are not women, they're men in dresses, well, not only does that trigger people's internalized homophobia, but also transphobia, and then they lash out at trans people. Um, and there's a lot of violence against the trans community. So even something as what other people may consider to be insignificant as a trans person playing a trans person, that has power and that has consequences that are, are good for trans people. And so the Transgender Film Center, our organization is really aimed at providing resources for trans filmmakers to go out and make their films and be successful with it and um, to connect with audiences at the end of it. Because there are a lot of really brilliant trans people who have been overlooked, um, who haven't gotten their fair shot to shine. And we would like to shine a light on those voices, even if they've been, you know, making film for uh, films for one year or they've been doing it for 20 years, we have some really brilliant storytellers that deserve the spotlight. So our first initiative was called the Trailblazer Grants, which we will award uh, in spring of 2021. And that's just, you know, a few thousand dollars to go to some uh, trans filmmakers to go make their movies or to finish their movies. And so I'm really excited to see, excuse me, what is next uh, for our organization and to see where our roadmap kind of leads us, because I really think that there's an opportunity here to fund and support uh, really great work made by trans people um, and to really, uh, you know, um, provide more resources to our community. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I love it. You know, because everybody deserves to have their story be told. Mm -hmm. Um, this, um, you know, Sundance starts tomorrow. We record this on the Wednesday, the day before Sundance. And you've got mm -hmm. a couple of panels that are part of the Sundance that tie in to Chasing Chasing Amy and the uh, Transgender uh, Film Center. Um, tell about these panels, how people can see them. And are they live or were they pre-recorded? They are both pre-recorded. We have two panels, uh, or I have two panels at uh, Sundance 2021. 
through uh, Mama Film, which is one of uh, which is a partner organization for Sundance's Beyond Film programming. Um, and you can find it all on the Sundance website. Uh, basically, uh, the Trans Film Center has a panel called "Transforming Your Film" or "You're Transforming Your Crew," uh, which is talking about hiring trans people above and below the line and what meaningful hiring practices look like. Um, so we've got some really great panelists. I'm excited for y'all to meet them, um, and we're just going to be having a discussion about uh, what it means to hire trans people and go beyond the typical diversity panel kind of situation. Um, which I also find funny about Chasing Amy that they were having diversity panels back then and virtually nothing has changed um, in the 25 years since then. Um, the second panel that I have at Sundance is through Mama Film again with the Beyond Film programming and uh, it's about Chasing Chasing Amy. And it's really all about how uh, we've been able to keep going during a pandemic and how having to pivot during this pandemic has actually really helped our movie and had kind of deepened a lot of the emotion in it and really gave us more time to consider, okay, what do we actually want this film to be as we've been constructing it? Um, so it's a really, uh, I think it's an interesting conversation. Um, I have it with Leela Med O'Connor, um, Carrie Radigan and Celeste Erlander, who are all people who work on Chasing Chasing Amy. Um, and hopefully you learn a little bit more about their contributions to it and the great work that they've been doing on this documentary. Awesome. Have you been on working on any other projects besides Chasing Chasing Amy during uh, the pandemic? Yeah, I've been trying. Um, I, I got this art installation that'll uh, be coming out later in uh, later in the year called uh, for this art installation called Reflect Project at the Mid America Arts Alliance, and we made a film called No Reason for Celebration that really um, kind of walks people through uh, visually how we're not much much further away from. Uh, how we started in the trans rights movement uh, since since Stonewall, um, and and the things that still need to change, um, and so that's a that's kind of like an angry protest uh, short doc that we made for it, and I'm excited for people to see that and be part of this installation. Um, it's definitely more outside my comfort zone as a filmmaker because I feel like I've kind of done more traditional things before, so it's interesting to be part of a, an art gallery specifically, and then. Yeah. And then, you know, I've just been writing a ton of scripts. Um, we, I wrote two features last year with my friend Taylor Gates, and uh, there's a lot on the docket for 2021 to continue writing. But I'm hoping that I'll actually go out and make a narrative short this year because I'm dying to make something narrative again. Um, but fingers crossed that in 2022, you'll get to see some uh, new works that I've been uh, trying to get done. And don't you have another fanboy type? A film that you're working on, the Margot Robbie. <laughs> oh, man, it's not a fanboy film. Okay. okay, so it's 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 called "I Love You, Margot Robbie," and this is a script that I wrote with Taylor Gates, and we're doing revisions on it right now. Um, I would love to be able to make this movie. We'll see. <laughs> so, the the premise is that there's this teenage trans boy. His name is Felix, and Felix has an overback overactive imagination he's very lonely and he's come out as trans and you know there's really nobody for him to relate to about it and so in his loneliness he imagines uh, an, a best friend in the form of margot robbie <laughs> so you know and i feel like i was like this as a kid where i would you know imagine oh what if ben affleck was my best friend what if so and so was my best friend and what would that look like and so Basically, his imaginary friend, Margot Robbie, helps him deal with uh, the struggles of being trans. Um, and, I, and I pick Margot Robbie because we wrote, I, 
effectively the the premise of the like the inciting thing is that um margot robbie is the spokeswoman for vegemite in the united states and they're trying to take vegemite worldwide so he kind of keeps seeing her everywhere he goes um and i think it's just a it's a lovely uh, sweet film that is uh it's a comedy and it's all about you know um growing up trans and how it's not that different than for anybody else kind of coming of age but there's a specific set of things uh that felix has to deal with and he could really use his friend margot robbie to help him <laughs> all right i i, I stand corrected just the, <laughs> the, the title makes you think <laughs> that the title yeah. is meant for people to want to read the script right. gotcha. <laughs> and maybe buy a movie ticket <laughs> You're learning good marketing stuff from Kevin there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> who are some people that inspire you? Of course, you know, uh, Ben and Kevin, who, who other, what other filmmakers and just people in general? Man, I, that's a, that's a good question. I feel like I, I'm somebody who tries to soak up information like a sponge. So, I mean, I could sit here all day and list the people who, who really, you know, uh, inspire me or make my life better or who I'd like to be more like in a variety of ways. You know, um, for instance, like I'd love to be more like my wife in that, uh, Riley, she's amazing. Um, she is, uh, way more type B than I am. I am very much, you know, like, Oh, we gotta get this done and this done and this done. And she can just relax a little bit. And I, so I admire that about her. Um, but in terms of like filmmakers, I, I assume your question's really about like what filmmakers do filmmakers I admire or, be or in like? general, either way. Let's see, filmmakers. Um, that's a tough question. Uh, I really admire like Ryan Murphy for what he's able to do with television. I think it's brilliant. Oh, yeah. um, and he's able to support so many, you know, marginalized voices in the process of doing that. I think he's somebody who's really shown that he wants to use his, um, the power that he's gained in this industry to help other people. Um, and I really love that. Uh, so tough. I mean, like I admire Shonda Rhimes for similar reasons. In terms of like filmmakers, I, I try not to put people so much like on a pedestal and, and take their movies like, you know, movie by movie where yeah. it's like, I love a bunch of Fincher movies. I do not aspire to be a filmmaker like, you know, David Fincher, because I'd like to be the best version of what I can do. Right. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I feel like I try to learn from everybody. You know, I love that uh, David Lynch just kind of gets to do what he wants. <laughs> like, I mean, that's, that's aspirational for sure. Yeah. But I really, you know, love the people who, who really, um, try to make space for others. Um, so I really admire Fanchon Cox who works with Ben Affleck. Um, she's the head of development at Pearl street films and she's the co-author of the inclusion writer. I really admire the hell out of her. Um, I admire, so many people who have just given me their time working on this documentary. I admire Joey, who, you know, uh, is, is also a director and a, and a good one, <laughs> you know, like there's, there's so much to learn from other people. And um, I, I, I'm kind of at a loss for who to say specifically, but uh, I'm like a sponge. I try to soak up every, the good things of what everybody else does and try to learn from other people's mistakes. Yeah, and I, I think the world needs more people like that instead of just, you know, their own egos and thinking they know everything that they kind of just soak in from everybody. And absolutely, that, that's part of my drive behind this podcast is to share people's stories so they can, you know, relate to others. Um, right. When you're creating, what situations are most creative for you? 
you know, writing alone, you know, any type of ingredients or stimulants or, you know, because <laughs> we know uh, Kevin, you know, wakes yeah. and bakes and all that. Oh, I can't do that. Um, <laughs> I can't do that. The first time I ever worked high was when he smoked up the Amy crew on set, <laughs> um, which was it was cool. Um, but, you know, luckily Kevin does most of the talking, so I could just sit there kind of chill. And I was like, huh, okay, yeah. okay. Um, I had my questions, but I was like, all right, Kevin, you just keep talking. Keep talking until you run out of gas, um, which he's very good at. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, my process whenever I have pages due is I usually wake up between like 6 and 7 a.m. And uh, I usually just write them all right before we have to do it, <laughs> like right before I have to turn them in. And it's not it's not like a laziness thing. I love a time crunch. It's like uh, it goes back to when I played sports as a kid. Like I always loved when the clock was winding down and like I had the ball at the three point line and it was like, all right, it's up to me to score. And, you know, I'd say a lot of the time I was successful at that, you know, for the level I played at as a kid, I guess I wasn't like a prodigy or anything, but, you know, there was a time where I could, I could hoop a little bit. And, um, you know, I, I love that sensation of like, all right, time's winding down. What are you going to do? And I think it really forces you to make decisions. So basically uh, every Saturday, my co-writer Taylor and I, we meet around 3 PM my time. And I wake up at 6 or 7 a.m., write all the pages that are due that day. Sometimes it's 10, sometimes it's, you know, 30 pages that end up being due, and I just write them all. And aside from grammar mistakes, they usually work pretty well structurally for that draft. So um, works better than you would think. But I really thrive in an environment where I get to create with other people. Creating in a vacuum is, you know, fine, but getting to work with other people is... Um, where the most joy is in the whole process for me. That's why I like being on set and working with actors. Um, that's why I like pre-production. Post-production is where you have to face all your mistakes. And then, you know, people who are more technically proficient than you tend to, you know, do their thing. <laughs> <laughs> and try to fix them and tweak them. Yeah. Uh, in your bio, and you, you're a lot more than a filmmaker writer, but you're also a podcaster. I, I didn't know that until yes. I read that. Tell us about your podcasting journey. Um, yes. So a long time ago, I used to do a podcast uh, with like friends I had in college, and then I kind of went away. But uh, since the pandemic happened, I was like, you know what, I really miss getting to talk to people and interviewing people, because uh, that's what I did for chasing chasing Amy was I just got to talk to people and interview people for extended periods of time. And I thought it was really interesting. And so uh, I've got this podcast that's hopefully going to come out <laughs> in the next few weeks. But with everything going on with the doc, it, you know, that takes a back seat, but it's called right. Professional Amateur Hour. My production company is called Professional Amateur Productions. I perpetually feel like a professional amateur. And so Professional Amateur Hour really gets into, um, you know, building an interesting, uh, me basically like trying to pick people's brains about like, what is the most interesting thing that's happened to you in your career? You know, what mistakes can I learn from? Things like that. Not too dissimilar from a lot of interview podcasts, this included, but basically I get to curate the guest list and get to interview people and satisfy my own curiosity. And so far we've had great people, um, Kevin included. Oh, awesome. He, he's, he's my dream guest on this one, but <laughs> you should ask him, just ask him. I've, I've asked through um, Jordan and it hasn't uh -huh. gone anywhere. So I, uh, I'm sorry, man. I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll, you will. I'll, we'll you get will. it figured out. I even started a feed called Kevin Smith and friends. So all the <laughs> Kevin Smith related ones, Go in there, 
Gotcha. So, no, I have a little ammunition there. Um, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and uh, you talked about festivals that, like the Outfest, and um, mm-hmm. you've been involved with uh, our other festival here, Slam Dance, and and some others. Tell tell us about those experiences and as, as a screener and uh, other positions. Well, I love film festivals. Um, before the pandemic, they were how I spent. 80% of my year is going to festivals. Um, I love getting the opportunity to meet new people. I love getting to make new friends and I love seeing movies. So the combination of those things just makes festivals uh, a really great fit for me. The first big festival to ever take a chance on one of my movies was actually Slam Dance. Um, I was 21 and I had made a film specifically for the uh, Slam Dance Digital uh, Bolex Fearless Filmmaking Showcase. And uh, it thematically didn't fit in with the rest of Slam Dance's programming, but I made it on this specific camera. So, you know, they invited me out to Slam Dance, gave me a pass, and it was the first opportunity I'd ever, you know, experienced Park City. But it was, you know, that's a life changing experience. And so I learned a lot more about the festival world that year when I would go to places like the Austin Revolution Film Festival and get to meet a lot of really interesting festival directors and get to really understand how the festival business uh, works, right? And uh, so then, you know, Slam Dance was like, hey, we're looking for screeners or, you know, programmers. They call them programmers, but, you know, a, a lot of it is like what you would uh, do for a screening gig somewhere else. But they're all called programmers at uh, Slam Dance. And, you know, you just watch movies and give your opinions. And if you watch X amount of movies, you get to be in the final room where they make decisions. And it's a very democratic process. Um, and I learned a lot about making movies, just watching movies that came into slam dance where it's like, okay, I would pick this film, but I wouldn't pick this film. Why? And how can I take this and, and improve my own creative practice with it? Um, again, th- that big learning experience of it all. Um, and you know, I, and I've, uh, I did the same thing for Outfest when I went there for their outset fellowship, um, I became an associate or an assistant programmer there. Um, and just, you know, again, watch movies, made decisions, let them know my opinions on things. And, you know, uh, I don't know how many of my opinions they took, but uh, still did the job. Um, and yeah, so I mean, it's been a good experience getting to work at film festivals in that capacity. But it also taught me like, I don't think I like programming very much. I don't like being the one to choose people's films. And I think that that's a really important thing to learn early is like, what, what do you like and what do you not like in the festival world or in your career? And like, how can you pivot to take that into something else? What I found that I did enjoy was getting to be part of the festival experience. So, and that's something where like my work at the Trans Film Center comes in. I can go speak at a panel. I can go network at a festival. I can go, you know, to all these places and participate, but I don't have to be the one choosing the films. And it's kind of good that I got that lesson early, I think. And every experience leads into the next one. Right. Kind of my whole career now has been because of that. Um, mostly fanboying, which is interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. I think I covered all the questions I had. Is there anything we, you wanted to to cover before we went into the bonus questions? No, I think I'm good, man. You know, if people want to support the Transgender Film Center, that'd be rad. Uh, transgenderfilmcenter.org slash donate. Um, and check that out. And then if you are interested in supporting my own work, uh, check out patreon.com slash savrogers. Um, you know, I've got that. And put a dollar in the tip jar if you're into it. Otherwise, um, I appreciate y'all listening and letting me, you know, be in your ear for a few minutes.
It's our pleasure. You have an interesting story, and loved having you on. So um, the first bonus question is, what does creativity mean to you? Creativity is uh, any kind of self-expression, I think, or, you know, problem solving. I don't know. I mean, like, I think you can be creative in a lot of different ways, but that's all totally subjective and up to the individual. For me, it just means the opportunity to um, exercise some creative muscles. I don't, I don't know how to define it without using the word creative, I guess, but I love storytelling. I love uh, a challenge. I love problem solving. And so all of those things are kind of wrapped up in creativity uh, for my own definition. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, next, who is your favorite Muppet and why? My favorite Muppet? Um, I really like that uh, Muppets TV show that they did on ABC. Everybody else hated it, but I love the idea that they were doing a late night talk show. I thought that was super funny. Um, I think Miss Piggy, because she's got just like a, such a big personality and, and she kind of cracks me up and then, you know, Kermit's her foil and, you know, it, it all works out somehow. But uh, Miss Piggy just always makes me laugh. I don't know. Nice. I, I like that. And then lastly, in the movie of your life, uh, who would play you? I always think it's a weird question to ask a filmmaker and, and actors and stuff, <laughs> this question. Gosh, I hope somebody interesting, probably somebody who's not born yet, right? If I do end up having that kind of interesting life, I don't know. Uh, I don't. I don't think I look like anybody. So that's that's like a hard thing. I don't really think I look like anybody. It would have to be a trans person, though. You know, trans people got to play trans people. So it's probably some brilliant young trans actor who's like, oh, I got to play this guy. Okay, fine. But. Um, you know, hopefully they go on to have a very successful career and, you know, they win a, a, an Oscar for my performance or for their performance as me, or at least an Indie Spirit Award. I don't know. Um, but I don't think that person exists yet, which I think is kind of a cool answer. Yeah, I, I like that. <laughs> all right. Awesome. Um, go through all your socials so people can find you and, and look into what you're doing. And Absolutely. Um, if you'd like to follow me, I'm on Twitter at SnackPack, S-N-A-C-P-A-C-K, and I'm on uh, Facebook and Instagram at Sav Rogers Film. I also created a TikTok. I haven't made one yet, but if you'd like to follow me there, it's just at Sav Rogers. Um, and my website is SavRogers.com if you want to get in touch. Uh, Chasing Amy Doc um, on all platforms if you'd like to see Chasing, Chasing Amy's uh, updates. And if you'd like to follow the Trans Film Center, just at Trans Film Center on all platforms. Couldn't get my name, but I could get those names all uh, much easier for promoing on podcasts. <laughs> there you go. Snack Pack. Get back to the Twitter handle. Snack Pack. Where did that? I just. I, I mean, I thought it was. I thought it was interesting at the time. Um, yeah. And now my wife's threatening to divorce me if I change it from that. So okay. maybe, maybe one day I could be successful enough. Maybe to where Twitter would just give me at Sav, S-A-V, like they did for like Ava, like just her name or AOC. I would love to be in like part of like the three uh, character Twitter handle group. That would be really cool. There you go. Hear that Twitter? <laughs> Take care of our guy here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Awesome. And um, enjoy your Sundance experience, whatever comes from people seeing your stuff there. Um, Thank you. And thanks again. Thank you so much. The podcast is done, man. <laughs> <laughs>